Thank you, Lord, once again. Thank you for opening your word to us, for teaching us, for guiding us as we come before you to hear from you. Lord, please speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but there are some parts of the Bible I find a little bit more difficult than others to understand. Or maybe I understand them perfectly and just don't want to understand Because it's hard. The whole Sermon on the Mount is kind of like that. And there's things in there that you're thinking, there's just no way. There's just no way I can do that. Who can do that? Jesus at the end, in the middle of that says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Be perfect? Yep. There's only one way that happens. That happens because of the perfect sacrifice that went before us. He addresses several things in this passage. You know, when you're growing up, uh, at least if you're growing up in a, in a Christian home or maybe you see it uh, hear, hear somebody teach it in Sunday school or uh, get some ideas you get ideas about the kinds of sins that might send you to hell uh-huh. maybe maybe lying maybe cheating Stephen. maybe adultery maybe, maybe killing somebody mm-hmm. mean words Oh yeah. Hmm. I'm getting kind of hit. Yeah. I was looking into the Proverbs this week, and I was going to talk about uh, what I, I would call it the proverbial fool, <laughs> because there's so much in Proverbs about about wisdom versus foolishness. Yes. And we're going to do that. But Matthew 5.22 kept coming to my mind. And that particular phrase about uh, you know, calling, your, calling your brother a fool and being in danger of hellfire. Mm-hmm. Like, why does that keep coming into my head? All right, I'll go read it. When I read it, I read the context, of course, because you always want to read the Scripture in the context that it's written. And it wouldn't it, it developed into this whole thing that God was showing me. It's such a joy. It's such a joy when you read something or when when you think God is showing you something and you go to look and study the word and find out, yeah, that's true. He did show me that. So I was reading this, and it really hit home for me. You know, when I was a, a child, I don't know where I picked this up, but for a while, for a while there, I got into the habit of calling people fools. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, it got that verse quoted to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably why it was in my head. But as I was reading the context, it really started to hit me home and make me ask some hard questions of myself about my own relationships. 
Because what Jesus is really talking about here is your heart. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading <clears throat> verse 21. Okay. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your, your offering. As we back up a little bit and read the context of this verse, what we're seeing here is Jesus goes through and he addresses several of what we would call the biggies. Mm -hmm. He addresses uh, he addresses adultery, he addresses divorce, he addresses uh, several different things. In each case, he says, no, you think, you think you're okay because you don't do these things, but God is looking deeper. Mm -hmm. God is looking at what's in your heart. And he makes it all the more makes his point all the more strong with the, the few verses there that say if you've got uh, you know if your hand offends you cut it off if your eye offends you pluck it out mm -hmm. that's how serious it is you've got to get this stuff out and then he ends up at least in the end of chapter five with love he says you've got to love even people who don't love you back you've got to love even your enemies amen. We're obviously not going to have time to cover all of that. We're just going to deal with these few verses that we have, uh, that we read. He starts off with murder. But what he's doing here, and this was the revelation for me, is he's showing how we get there. He's showing the progression from the provocation, the offense, to contempt, and eventually to the rejection and the hatred of those that we ought to be loving. And he illustrates it by these progressively harsher judgments at each stage. And depending on your translation, those judgments may be rendered any number of different ways, but they all end up with hell. Mm. Why this emphasis on words? Why this emphasis on what you say? I want to take you to another passage, and I'm just going to read it. I didn't uh, get it into the materials. But if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, it's in Matthew chapter 12, verse, we'll start in verse 34. Because Jesus says this. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, 
speak what is good. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings forth out of his good treasure what is good. The evil man brings forth or brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word which people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. Words matter. Yes, they do. Because they reflect what is in your heart. And God says that is what we're judged by. We're judged by what's in our heart. So we have a progression here. We have a progression that starts with being angry. Now, depending on your, your translation, most of them just say angry. Mm -hmm. When you look at what the word means, the definition that is most relevant to the context here is to be enraged or to be provoked to anger. And anger really is not the primary issue here, and I'll tell you why. Because if you look over in uh, Ephesians 4, 6, or 4, 26, rather, Paul says, be angry, but don't sin. Probably we're going to get angry. Even Jesus got angry. But what he, what the important thing is, you don't sin with it, and you don't let it sit there. It's unjustified anger that Jesus is talking about here. It's a fence that is uh, is taken un unrightly. If you look at the Amplified Bible, it, it, which if you've ever seen one, it uh, explains and re-explains things over in different ways so that you can maybe get a better sense of, of what might be being said. And it says, continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice or enmity of heart against him. Mm -hmm. Your, your King James and your New King James will add, you probably, it's probably got italics, uh, will add without a cause to that. Because that's what Jesus is saying here. But then we move, we move from that initial offense into contempt, into disdain that we express in words. Some of your translations may have just the word raka in there. And if you look up the definition of that, it's, it, it means empty or senseless, empty headed man. Mm. <laughs> and it was a common insult during the day uh, that, that Jesus was teaching. And it's only found, you only find that in the book of Matthew in this particular passage. And I think that's why some of the translations don't even try to translate it. They're not confident enough about what, they, about what it means. Uh, 
that, so they just they just copy the word. New American Standard, you know, as, as I read, says good for nothing. Uh, the Amplified rewrites it and says speaks contemptuously or insultingly. The ESV just says insults. The Holman actually puts the word fool there and uses a different word uh, in, in the next part of it. And I'll explain why that why that might be. But the meanings the meanings is is similar. And I think that because of the uh, what I'm going to share with you next, uh, the what, when we get to the passage about the word fool, what Jesus is talking about here is more of the I would call it the Old Testament version of the fool. And I'll explain that here in a bit. The Amplified again will say, you cursed fool. You empty-headed idiot. Mm, rock now the Holman does something interesting. We're on that third thing now. The Holman Bible does something interesting. It actually just transliterates the word, more or less, uh, and says, uh, you moron. <laughs> but that's because that Greek word there is actually uh, moros. And the alternate, the uh, alternate definition, though, of that word, probably taken from uh, other usage. Uh, is envious or godless. When you look at the other usages of, of uh, the G, where Jesus used the word that, that, that's translated into that Greek word there, he talks about the, the man who built his house on the sand mm -hmm. in Matthew chapter 7. Again, he talks about it, he uses it in reference to the Pharisees few verses uh, before that. I think I might have misread that reference. It's Matthew chapter 7. You see it again when he talks in chapter 25 about the foolish virgins. All of these cases are people where he's doing an illustration of someone who has missed the kingdom or rejected God in some way. <coughs> Now the next, the only other, you don't see it very many other places. The other place you see the same word is uh, Paul uses the word a lot. He uses it in 1 Corinthians. One of the places he uses it uh, is where he talks about the weak and foolish things being used to combat, uh, confound the, the wise. And I think there he's using the, the more typical definition of, of fool. But it also can serve as a warning to us not to be too quick. Because those things that we think are foolish, God just might be using. Oh, yeah. The word appears again when he's talking about becoming foolish by the world standards, about Christianity being foolish by the world standards. But of course, we know that that is ultimately wisdom. And you see it again in 
First Timothy uh, chapter two, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter two, and uh, Titus chapter three, uh, where he talks about foolish controversies. But I think Jesus is making the the, the, the reference here to the, the the fool of the Old Testament, what I called earlier the proverbial fool. And the most important thing we need to know about this kind of fool is that in Psalm chapter uh, 14.1 and again in 53.1 it says this about this kind of fool. It says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the Proverbs are then full of an, explana an explanation of, of this person. It says that they despise wisdom and instruction. It says that they will destroy themselves by their own back. <laughs> Again, those words. It says that they display dishonor. It says that they cause grief to their parents. It's, <clears throat> it says that they spread slander. It says that a fool dies for lack of understanding. That he enjoys wickedness. That he always thinks, I'm paraphrasing here, but that he always thinks he's right and won't listen. That he's quick to anger. And that he should be avoided lest you become like him. And that you can't beat the foolishness out of him. That he's more dangerous than a mother bear robbed of her cubs. Wow. And there's more. I had to stop. <coughs> But I think that by framing this this way, what Jesus is saying is now you have progressed to the point where you have rejected your brother or sister, you have rejected this person and counted them as godless and irredeemable. And he says that for that, you are in danger of the hellfire. Mm -hmm. He's saying this is a thing of, this is about the heart, it's about murder right. in your heart. <coughs> What do we do about it? He says, If your brother has something against you, if you, if you realize that your brother has something against you, in other words, guess who's at fault here? Yourself. Yourself. Just leave your gift there. Why is that? Realize that Jesus here is dealing with the, the sacrificial system. He's teaching under the old covenant. Right. And he's saying, uh, you know, People brought, would bring sacrifices and they might be bringing uh, a free will offering, a, a gift. But typically what's happening when you're bringing a sacrifice to the altar, that's your atonement. Mm -hmm. That's your atonement for sin. He's saying, if you've got no sin, you've got no business even being there. You need to go take care of it. Right. That people accept it. That you need to make it right with the people in your life. Or else you can't be reconciled. Right. Mm -hmm. So go make it right first. And then come back. 
and make your offering. I really think I probably should have continued into to 25 and 26 to complete this thought. Because uh, it's part of the same thing. Making things right. So, brothers and sisters, guard your heart. We so readily take offense, especially in this society, in this day and age. We are just, it's like we're waiting to be offended by something. Uh -huh. And yeah, your offense may be justified. Some things are just, some things are offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but the question is, what are you going to do with it? Whether it's justified or not, what are you going to do with it? <clears throat> the other thing that I hope we understand today is that words matter. They matter because they reflect our heart. Amen. Is cursing in your heart? Okay. If it comes out of your mouth, you need to ask yourself that question. Mm -hmm. You ever say something and then you turn around and say, I didn't mean that? Oh, yeah. Did you really mean it? Uh-huh. Not usually. Check your heart. That's right. Because you can't take it back. No. Even if you didn't mean it, you can't take it back. It's gone. It's out there. Yeah, you have hurt them. Don't be playing with fire. Words hurt. Words hurt people. Words can wound and scar people for life. Mm -hmm. Words can even kill people. I think this is why Jesus speaks so strongly about the words that we say. Amen. What do you do about it? You make it right. That's right. We've had several. We've had lots of teaching about the necessity of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And. Maybe you even have a legitimate grievance. Maybe you have been wronged. And forgiveness usually does, is usually paired with repentance. I'm not so sure that it is required when there's no repentance uh, to have forgiveness. But you know what? You can choose that. You can choose forgiveness. The most poignant example we have, if you think about it, consider Jesus, as he's being crucified, I don't see any repentance there, but he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We can't choose to forgive. Amen. Amen. Jesus is addressing our heart, and he's saying, You repent, and then do all that you can to make it right. Jesus wants our hearts. And so, you know, I say this not to be rate or, 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 or criticize or challenge or, or, or point out something. I don't have any special knowledge. In fact, if anything, it's causing me to examine my own heart, my own relationships, and say, Am I, have I done all that I can? 
Am I doing the right things? Am I making the right choices? Mm -hmm. It's a question that we should always be asking because relationship is so important to God. He put us here. And He said that people will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because you love one another. Amen. So Lord, show us. Show us how to love one another. Show us how to, uh, to not take offense. How to, uh, even when people disappoint us, you know, like we've talked about today, to learn to forgive, to learn to uh, accept uh, that the only one who's perfect is you. And our perfection comes through you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making that sacrifice that we can even have that possibility. Lord, I pray for hearts today. Uh, that, uh, that you would touch hearts. That you would draw hearts to you. That you would help us all to make our relationships right as much as we can. It does take two parties and sometimes there's no way to make it right. But show us, Lord, how to do all that we can. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.